Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Good morning. Welcome to Real Life. If you're here for the first time this morning, I'm Jim, and I'm your pastor, uh, and this is my friend Elise. Good morning. uh, We're going to talk to you about a little ministry that we do uh, here at Real Life called Alpha. And if you're a regular around here or if you follow the podcast at reallife.la, you've heard me talk about this a lot. This is a a dinner that we offer at Frisella's Restaurant on Glendora Avenue. We do it on Monday nights starting tomorrow at 7 p.m., and it's a great opportunity to invite people into the real-life community, into conversations about spirituality, uh, and, uh, and into a new level of faith. And the reason Elise is up here is because Elise now holds the record for having invited more people to Alpha than anyone else. Every time Elise would show up to Alpha, there's like a dozen people in tow behind her. And I want to know how you did that. Whatever works, there you go. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I just, um, the first time that I went, it was after coming here for the first time. And um, I had went and I didn't want to go by myself, so I took a friend. Um, But after being there for the first time, I was like, wow, this is a really great thing that this church does. And I just wanted to invite everybody. So that's what I did. I would go up to my friends, my neighbors, people on the street, hey, Come to Alpha. It's this really great thing. It's at Fursella's. If you don't want to cook Mondays, it's perfect. So. That's right. That's always a good idea. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so now you would, I, would this just kind of come up in conversation, or did you walk up to people knowing you were going to invite them? Um, a little bit of both. Um, some people, I intentionally went up to them just to invite them, and some people, you know, um, I'm a conversationalist, so I'll just start talking to people and say, you know what? I think that um, I'd really enjoy your company at Alpha. Um, it's um, great dinner and great conversation with people. It's kind of a safe place to, you know, ask questions, um, you know, talk about church and Jesus and, and um, you know, life itself. And it's just a really fun thing, and you get to meet great people. So I would love it if you would come. And sometimes they say no, but a lot of times they say yes. So A lot of times they said yes to you. That yeah. was always it. <laughs> now, let's say somebody here is not an extrovert, and the idea of talking to somebody they don't know is like just intimidating to them. Facebook. Um, I have been Facebook, Instagram. I mean, it's really easy because you can just hide behind your screen. And um, I just post about it. You know, I'll put the, you know, like the little alpha cards that we have. I'll post that on there. I'll post the links to it. And I just, you know, explain to people like, hey, this is going on, you know, and this time around I'm a table leader. So I'm like, come on, come support me, you know. Um, And I just post it on Facebook and I post it over and over and over again. And if someone posts that they're interested or I see that they like it, I'll just send them a message and I'll say, hey, you know, it's coming up. It's this Monday. It starts at 7. It's going to be fantastic. Here's the link so you can register so we know how much food to provide and make sure we have enough chairs. Um, so, you know, um, and I'll just send that. And I don't, I'm not too pushy about it, but I just, if they're interested, I grab onto that. 
There you go. And, and it is the kind of thing where it helps if you register. If you can let us know you're coming, great. If you invite somebody at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow, that's fine. Bring them anyway. They don't have to be registered. Just show up anyway. And I know some people have asked me. They've said, um, well, I'm already in. I'm here at Real Life. But is it for me? Absolutely. If you have not seen Alpha before and you want to see it, it makes it easier for you to invite somebody next time if you yourself have been there. So don't hesitate. If you want to sign up and come tomorrow, come for a few meetings, all meetings, whatever works for you, come check it out. And then if you have somebody who's a close friend, yeah. by all means, bring them. Um, what would you say is our hope long-term if somebody comes to Alpha for the first time, if that's their hello to us? So long-term, I think, you know... Um, is just you know bringing people in and um, giving them a safe place to get entered or um, introduced to church. You know, I feel nowadays you say the word church and people kind of like, oh, you know, no. And that's not what we want. You know, we we want church to be this you know place where people can come and, and you know make friends and learn about Jesus and spread the word. And um, Alpha does that. Alpha is just it's a very mellow place to be. Um, it's not too pushy or anything like that. It's just it's comfortable and it's a lot of fun. And like I said, uh, the first time that I came to church, the next day was Alpha, and, and I'm still here. So, and I've brought people with me. So, um, it's been fantastic. And I think that the goal is just to, you know, spread the word and, and you know, just reach out to as many people as possible. Not everyone's going to say yes, but if you can reach one person, that's fantastic. Okay. So it's it's tomorrow night, 7 p.m. for Sella's restaurant. Bring people in. It's a free dinner. So it's like you say, you don't have to cook on Monday night. It's a free dinner. And then there's a, a video that talks about, about life and about the Christian faith, uh, but it's really just there to spark conversation. So we're not there to preach at anybody. We're not there to tell anybody that they're wrong or they need to think about it differently. It's really an opportunity for the Christian church to say, hey, we actually care about what you think. Even if you think about the world differently, that we're, we're here to, to listen. And so Alpha is a great open door for conversations that people really want to have but aren't sure that they can have that that conversation in church, because church can be an intimidating thing. Of course, yeah. 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 So, so you're going to be there tomorrow? Yes. Come see me. You're going to hold the record? I'm trying to hold the record, so I'm inviting all of you. I invited the first group, too. So, <laughs> so now you're all on her. I mean. <laughs> she gets credit for all of you. But uh, I'd love to see uh, if somebody can invite more people than Elise. That would be an impressive, impressive record. So let's thank Elise for coming up here Thank and sharing you. your story with us. Thank you. So that is a, a great ministry in the life of our church that's coming up tomorrow. Uh, I want to uh, thank all of you for being here this morning. Uh, I hear there's a sporting event today, so thank you for making church a priority in your morning as well. Uh, and I should say to those of you who are celebrating this this week, uh, I'll teach you how to say this. Everybody repeat after me. Say, Xin Yin Kuai Le. Oh, good. You try. The first service didn't even try. They just said, nope, we're not. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it's Lunar New Year this, this year, uh, this week. So if, uh, they're, if you're celebrating their red donuts on the, on the patio this morning, just to, in honor of that. Um, hey, I want to start off uh, in prayer. We always spend some time talking to God here on Sunday mornings. Uh, pray for somebody in, in uh, a family member of a, a real life member who uh, had a terrible fall and is in the hospital. Uh, pray for them. Pray for that family. Uh, pray for somebody who's going through a, a hip replacement, uh, who just went through a hip replacement and is on the road to re recovery there. Uh, and pray for, pray for some people who are still grieving uh, the loss of somebody they care about, okay? Let's take a minute and pray together. Father, I thank you that you love us and that you call us to yourself and that when we were lost and running away from you, you loved us all the more and you reached out for us and you made a place for us and you invited us in. Now give us hearts like yours. Give us a heart 
uh, hearts that love people who are lost. Teach us to care for those who are beyond our walls and and to always make a place for one more. Uh, Bless our study of your word this morning that we might know you and learn your will for our lives and learn how to be in relationship with you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, I want to start a new series of studies this morning on the weekends called Vintage Faith. And I want to look at the faith of the early church, because here we are in this new startup church, really talking about what the DNA of the church is all about, talking about what the church is supposed to be, and doing something, I think, different than what a lot of churches in the world are doing. And so I want to go back to that early church, the first days, the first Christian church, and say, what are they doing that we don't do today? And why is it different? What are they doing that we do do today? And why have we kept it? What should we be doing that they were doing back then? We're going to look at the story of the early church. Uh, Open in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts. Uh, The Bible, if you're new to it, is divided into basically two halves, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is the story of Jesus and the early Christians. And the book of Acts in that second half is really the story of the early church. It's the story of, of where the church began, the miracles that they witnessed, and how the church spread. And so if we're talking about vintage faith, if we're talking about the original faith, we're talking about the book of Acts. And probably the most famous passage from the book of Acts is in chapter 2. And it describes those early Christians and how they gathered and what they were doing. So uh, open with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 42 uh, and uh, listen to the word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The apostles were those early disciples of Jesus who knew Jesus or were in the immediate circle of, of Jesus' early followers and went around planting churches. Uh, The early church had two activities, and only two. It was spiritual, and it was relational. They gathered around the apostles' teachings and fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. That is all they did. The church, the early church was not filled with programs. There are many, many modern churches who have said, if we want people to come to church, what we need to do is offer every single kind of activity that people go to out in the world, but we'll give it kind of a Christian name, So instead of going somewhere else, they'll come do it over here with us. Uh, I knew a church in South Carolina that once a year had a father-son dove hunt because the guys are going out shooting doves anyway, so we're just going to call it a ministry, and we're going to have a father-son dove hunt. And I would have loved to hear the conversations on the father-son dove hunt because, I mean, you know, it's a good time to teach your kid. Hey, Skeeter, see that over there? That was a bird of peace I just shot me right there, right? I have the feeling, I've been there, it's cool. (laughs) I have the feeling that there's some things that you do out there in life that don't have to be a ministry of the church. I could be wrong, but I've seen it at churches here. Uh, Churches here do this thing that it's like the the Christian yoga equivalent that they do at church. And they don't call it yoga because they think that's all new agey. They call, they call it like praise alates or whatever. I don't know what they call it. But they have praise alates at the church, right? Because they're going to go to the gym and they're going to do yoga, so we better have praise alates at the church. So they'll come over here and do it at the church. I have a feeling that you don't have to offer every activity there is in the world at church in order to preach the message of Jesus. The early church had a message and a meal. That's all they had. The church had a message and a meal. And the church spread like wildfire, right? 
You got to have the, the message of Jesus. You got to have a purpose for what you're gathering, and you have to have yummy food. Those are the only requirements. Everyone was filled with awe and at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were working miracles. This is not figurative or allegorical. They were working miracles. Jesus went around uh, the, his, uh, his area working miracles, raising the dead, walking on water, uh, healing the sick. He himself died and physically rose from the dead, appearing to many. And then he empowered his followers to go and do the same. And the early disciples of Jesus were working miracles wherever they went. They went and they prayed for people and people were miraculously restored from grave illness. Uh, this, is, this is not a figure of, figurative way of speaking. This was how the early church spread. If the church is not supernatural, it's superficial. And the working of supernatural miracles was a part of the life of the early church. Now, I know some people hear things like that, and they've never heard it before, and they think it's strange. Or they hear stories like that, and they think, yeah, surely 2,000 years ago that happened, but it doesn't happen now. Or back then, they just didn't understand how medicine works, and we understand now, and they, they just had strange ways of speaking of things. But the more I talk to people, the more I find that people actually really do have supernatural experiences, and they're afraid to talk about them. They don't want people to think they're weird. Uh, I got news for you. A lot of people already think you're weird, so that's <laughs> off the table. And two, you'll be surprised at how many people have a story just like yours. They just don't know who to share it with. I saw one this week. One of you posted on, uh, on the Insta Facebook or whatever it is uh, a story about somebody who actually said, I hear God telling me something that's going to happen in the future, and it happened exactly like they said. I, I won't tell you which account, but you go look it up. It's on the Insta chat face thing. Uh, I, there was another one. A woman uh, in our congregation just shared with me a couple weeks ago. She said... A couple months back, we were in here talking about supernatural things and praying for supernatural things. And she said she had had this little owie on her thumb that had been there for years. And she looked at that, you know, because she was praying. She looked at that and she goes, well, I'm not going to pray for that. That's too small. That's silly. I'm not going to pray for that. And the next day, it started to dry up and it went away. It had been there for years and now it's gone. And she waited uh, months to tell me because she thought, oh, it's just small. That's just a small thing. Listen, God loves you enough to care about the small things in your life. The, the things that you care about, he cares about. They're not too small for him. And the early church spread with the, the working of, of the supernatural. Because everywhere the church went, they celebrated the things that God was doing. When God would heal someone, they would tell the story. Don't keep those stories to yourself. Celebrate what God has done in your midst because the more you celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit, the more you invite the Holy Spirit in. If you tell someone thank you for something that they've done, they're more likely to do it again. And if you tell God thank you for something that God has done, God is more likely to do it again. When we celebrate what the Holy Spirit has done, we are inviting the Holy Spirit to do it more. And when you invite the Holy Spirit to do it more, you see more miracles. That, that is really how the early church spread. And, and so let me give you some, a spectrum on which to think about this because I didn't grow up in a church that talked about the supernatural. And so when I finally discovered this, this was kind of a new world for me. But there's a gradation of churches out there. If you haven't seen a lot of them, they're, they're churches that approach this in a different way. There are, there are some mainline Protestant churches. And when I say that, you'll see this when you drive around town. You'll see signs like Lutheran and Presbyterian and Methodist, the old, old Presbyterian, old uh, Protestant churches, old uh, mainline Protestant churches. And in many of those churches, 
Uh, they, they don't talk about the supernatural, and they're not confident that it happens. They think that maybe it's something long ago that stopped, or maybe they just used language back then that sounded kind of supernatural, but it really wasn't. Thomas Jefferson went through the New Testament, and he cut out all of the supernatural parts, and he threw them away. He published, you can get this online now, it's called the Jefferson Bible, a much shorter version than the original, because it was the Bible without the supernatural. What he wanted was a book of moral teachings without things that enlightened people would think were just, were, were just superstition. Uh, and he published this, this short book of moral teachings. There are a lot of churches out there that think that the Bible is like that. That if God is out there at all, he's way off in the distance and the Bible is just there to teach us to behave. There's some churches like that. Then there are other churches where they clearly believe in the supernatural, but they only whisper about it. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church really does believe in supernatural things. I don't know if you, many of you have grown up Catholic or you've been to Catholic churches. Uh, I don't know if you know, in 2018, they had the, the biggest international conference on exorcism they've ever had. They said they can't produce enough exorcists to keep up with the need. And so they have a big conference. But I'm not sure that the average Catholic in the pews every week hears about things like that. Like, they, they believe in it, but I think there's a, like a wing that's assigned to it, and they don't necessarily talk about it everywhere else. Or you'll see big megachurches where they say they believe in supernatural things, but they don't really talk about it all that much. And so you, you're left to kind of wonder, well, is it real or is it not? Then there are churches that regularly talk about and practice supernatural things. Uh, they used to, be, used to be called charismatic or Pentecostal churches. And when that first became part of mainstream American Christianity, it was seen as kind of weird. It was seen as kind of culty. But it's, it's kind of normal now. There are, there are churches out there that talk about and practice supernatural things. They pray for healing, and they really believe in it. They're just kind of normal now. Then there are churches that do that, but it seems kind of oily. It seems like they're trying to bring emotional reactions out of people. And unless there's kind of an emotional overreaction, sort of a hyper-emotional reaction, they didn't do it right. And you always sort of feel manipulated, like, well, if I don't get into this, then I'm, I must not be in the inner circle. And then there are just cults which say, if you give us money, we'll give you miracles. And those are cults, and you should never trust an organization that does that. Now, the early church was right there in the middle. They practiced supernatural things. They witnessed miracles, they saw healings, they believed in them, and they spread those kind of stories. There was no question that they were not doing that to manipulate people, because instead of saying, if you give us money, we'll give you a miracle, they were busy giving their money away. They weren't gaining from it. They were giving, giving things away. They were giving miracles away, and they were giving money away. And that was the early church. When we look at the vintage faith, when we look at the early days of the church, we should wonder why that is not normal conversation in our world today, if it's not. Here at Real Life, we tell those kinds of stories all the time. When, you, when we hear stories of God speaking into people's lives, we share those stories because those stories are meant to be shared. Uh, I had coffee with somebody at uh, Coffee Clutch this last week who's been a, a believer for many years. And he says, you know, I've read so many books of theology. I think logically I believe that there's a God. I, I, the arguments are so powerful that I believe there's a God. I just don't feel like I've experienced God. And I said, have you ever, have you ever prayed for it? Have you ever just asked, God, talk to me? And he said, no, I guess I haven't. Been a believer for years. I said, look, what God wants with you more than anything else is a relationship. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, dad, I want to talk to you because he wants to talk to you. He really does. The Bible invites us to pray that prayer. 
So that was the early church. Everyone was filled with awe and wonders at the, uh, at the signs performed by the apostles. And this is how the early church spread as a consequence. I've got a little um, map I want to show you. Let's see if we can bring this up. There's a little animated map of the spread of early Christianity. I'm going to talk while it plays. In the first century, Christianity started over there in Jerusalem, in the, in the Middle East, right? And, and around the Mediterranean. Within a century, it had spread to the, all sides of the Mediterranean, through Italy, through Greece. By the second century, it was in France, what we call France and Germany. By the third century, it had covered all sides of the Black Sea and all through North Africa and around the Mediterranean. By the year 500, Christianity covered what we would call everywhere from England to India in just those early years. And it spread with people saying they had seen Jesus risen from the dead and they had seen miracles worked in his name. It spread with people saying, if you want to believe in it, go find out if it's true. The apostle Paul writes in the Bible at one point, he writes, there are 500 people who saw Jesus risen from the dead. If you don't believe me, go ask one of them. Christianity spread with stories of the supernatural and an invitation to investigate to see whether or not they are true. That is different than every other religion out there. And I know there are skeptics out there who will tell me, no, 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 other religions spread the same way. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Islam is spread by military conquest. And that's, that's not my spin on it. That's history. It spread just like, just like Genghis Khan canker, conquered the world, just like Alexander the Great conquered the world. It spread by military conquest. It did not spread by stories of supernatural miracles that were then propagated by people who witnessed more supernatural miracles. Buddhism did not spread the same way. It's a very different kind of faith. Christianity stands alone in this one. And the story was, supernatural things are happening. Go find out for yourself. And that's honestly just compelling. It's hard to get around that one. I told you it spread uh, with a message and a, a meal. Uh, I should amend that a little bit. It spread with a message, a meal, and miracles. That is how the early church spread. Message, meal, and miracles. And that's a, that's a good outline for a vintage faith. That's a good outline for the early church. That's how the early church spread. They, were, uh, uh, they saw signs and wonders and all were in awe. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Uh, now, this is the one where I think the modern church is more out of step with the early church than on anything else. Uh, the, the early church gave with reckless abandon. The biblical guideline for giving is a tithe, which is 10%. The biblical guideline is give 10% of your income to building the kingdom of heaven on earth. Uh, most Bible-believing, church-attending Christians in America give around 2 or 3% on average. Uh, the, the biblical calling was give 10% of your income to building the kingdom of heaven on earth. And it's not a law. It's just good for you. It's not going to get you into heaven. Just like a diet and exercise is a, is a good thing for you. It's not a law. You don't have to do it. It's not going to get you into heaven. In fact, you'll probably get to heaven faster if you don't diet and exercise. But it's good for you. It's how you're made, right? And, and tithing is the same way. It's not a law. It's just good for your heart. Because, because you read Jesus' teachings about money, and Jesus says, he talks about money more than he talks about almost anything else. He says, he says don't love it, don't hoard it, don't waste it on yourself, and don't worry about it. Those are Jesus' teachings on money. Don't hoard it, don't love it, don't hoard it, don't waste it, and don't worry about it. That is the average bell curve of the American paycheck, right? 
Love it, hoard it, waste it, worry about it. That's it. That's not every paycheck. Like, oh, I got paid. Oh, I'm so happy. I love this. Oh, I'm going to keep this to myself. Oh, look, there's stuff that I want. I'm going to go spend it on this other one. Where did it all go? Repeat. Oh, I got a paycheck. I love money. Oh, I'm going to keep it all to myself. Oh, there's stuff that I want. I'm going to go get the stuff. Where did it all go? Every month. Jesus says, don't love it. Don't hoard it. Don't waste it on yourself and don't worry about it. Here's Jesus' outline for your paycheck. Trust me, ask me, give, right? Everybody repeat after me. Say, trust me, ask me, give. That's Jesus' outline for our paycheck. And that's what the early church did. They trusted that Jesus was in control, that the money wasn't there for them to be lavishly comfortable. It was there for them to love the world in Jesus' name. And they trusted him. And when they needed, they asked him. And then they gave. And that was the outline of the the paycheck of the vintage church, the vintage faith. As you know, here at Real Life, uh, we've done all kinds of things in 2018 uh, to give in Jesus' name. And, it, and if you want to see, see the supernatural, go out there and care for the poor, because that's where Jesus is at work. And if you out, are out there pouring your life into other people, and especially people in need, you get to see God at work. Next weekend, we're going to be involved in God's Pantry. You can read in your weekly update about that or check out our website. We're going to be working at God's Pantry that, help, that helps care for uh, people in uh, homeless people, people in need of food. It's a, a food distribution that we're going to take part in in Azusa. Uh, and then Stacy and Kevin shared with you just a little while ago, in March, we're going to go down to Mexico. And what we're going to do uh, is we're going to build a house for a pastor and his family. There's an organization that plants churches all over Mexico. They're on number 39 so far. In the last 12 years, they planted 39 churches. And they build a church, and then they build the pastor's house next to it. And that that church does ministry in the neighborhood. So we're going to go down in the end of March and we're going to build a house for uh, a pastor and his family so they can move in. In 2018, we were down there working on one of these churches. Uh, and you may remember the story. Um, I came back and I said, uh, there's this, this church, they don't have running water. They can't wash their hands. Uh, they have to, you know, the trucks bring water in, but there's a fire hydrant right across the street. And it would just cost $500 to run water across the street so they can have running water in the church. And one of you stepped forward and volunteered to pay for that church to have water. Look at this picture I want to show you right here. This is the church. See those pipes? That's the water running into that church. They're building a foundation to go underneath it now. That's, they've got running water coming to the church. So we want to do more of that. So we're going to go down there at the end of March to build a house for pastor and his family. You can build the whole house in a weekend. Uh, I need at least 10 of us to go. 15 is great. Uh, 20 is okay. I cannot take 100. Now, when we get to 100, that means we've got to take another trip, build another house. Um, if you want to go, you got to go get a passport right now because we've got about six or eight weeks. Go get a passport right now uh, if you want to go. Sign up. Let us know that you're coming. And then everybody who's going needs to raise $550. That's what it's going to cost to build the house and take care of our food and housing, everything for the weekend, $550. If you can't go, and you want to help someone else go, you can write a check for somebody else to go, right? Everybody gave to those who had need. Uh, If you need to raise money so that you can go, I will teach you how to write a great letter to your rich uncle, right? That's a missionary skill, writing the letter to the rich uncle. I will teach you how to do that. Uh, But but let us know uh, today or this week if you want to go and then start working on that passport right away. Because because this, this is the early church. Everybody gave to those who had need because there are people out there who don't know how much Jesus loves them. And if you know how much Jesus loves you, there's nothing better than him sharing that through you with other people. So that's what we're going to do this year. Uh, So every day, 
Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Um, this, is, uh, this is probably my favorite part of this passage because, because what it's trying to say, it's trying to capture the ethos of the early church, of them gathering with, with glad and sincere hearts, with this kind of, this pure sincerity of, of really just knowing that they were doing what God called them to. And they, they weren't worried about the future. They weren't, they weren't living selfishly. They really were going at this with a, a wholehearted belief that Jesus was there among them. Uh, the word for sincere here in Greek is aphelos, aphelos. And it literally means without rocks in it. You know, the Romans were good at building things. They were amazing architects. And so they knew how to sift sand so that it would be fine so that they could make those beautiful columns out of it. They'd sort the rocks out of it. And when it was, when it was pure sand with no rocks in it, it was aphelos. It was, it was pure. And the, the early Christians gathered with no lumps in their hearts. Right? You know what I mean? You know, you, there's some people who are, they, they believe in Jesus, but then they're just kind of nasty people every day. And it's kind of like, well, that's, they're a Christian? This feels like there's kind of some lumps in them. Uh, it's kind of like, um, you, ever, you ever have a bubble tea? You ever have boba? Ever, how many people have tried boba before? Bubble tea? How many of you? A few of you. Okay, it's, it's catching on all over the place. It's this tea that you can find it here in town, little tea shops. It's a tea, and in the bottom they put these little uh, tapioca balls, these little chewy tapioca balls, and they give you a big straw so that you go and you drink it, and you think you're going to be drinking a liquid, and then this, like, ball of earwax shoots up through the straw <laughs> and hits you in the roof of your mouth. You go, oh, what was that? First time you drink it, you're like, oh, what was that? There's something lumpy in my drink. I've adapted. I've gotten used to it. But the first time you drink it, it's kind of a shock. Well, there are Christians like that that kind of come off a bit lumpy. And people out there are watching you. When you say you follow Jesus, people out there are watching you. And they see you say, I believe in Jesus. And then if they watch you go around and be a nasty person and talk terribly to people and always kind of lash out at people, they, they look at you and go, oh, what's that about? I, that's a, it feels like there's lumps in it. Or if they watch you spend all your money on yourself and never give to anybody else and be greedy, they go, ah, oh, that's not what I thought Christians were about. The, the early church gathered and they were a fellows. They were sincere. They were without lumps in them. What a beautiful vision for the church, right? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved because they cared about people outside their doors. They weren't just there for themselves. They were there for the, the lost and lonely people in the world who did not know Jesus. Last week, if you were here, we talked about a guy named Zacchaeus. And remember, Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree so he could see Jesus go by. And when Jesus was going by in the crowd, Jesus looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, I want to come have lunch at your house today. And so what did Zacchaeus do? Zacchaeus came down and he went and he took Jesus back to his house for lunch. Zacchaeus went from being a fan of Jesus, off in the distance watching him, to being a follower of Jesus, up close. There's a lot of Christians who need to go from being fans of Jesus to being followers of Jesus. If you're a fan of Jesus, you're just happy that he's doing his thing. You're up in the tree going, hey, Jesus, hey, I'm up here. Like, oh, he saw me, hey, hey, what? No, I'm not coming down. 
No, if I come down, I know what you're going to do. So no, you just go on your way. I'll see you at the next parade. Bye, Jesus. Bye. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved because they actually did what Jesus said and they went and loved people in his name. All kinds of Christians just want to be spectators of Jesus. They want to be fans rather than followers because it's easier. But think about what that says. Think about what that says about your heart. Think about what that says about lost people in the world around you when you just don't care what happens to them. Imagine it was pouring down rain outside today, let's say, hypothetically. And there are all kinds of people out there on the patio getting wet. And you're inside and you're dry. And you think, oh, I'm so glad I made it inside. I'm dry. I'm warm. This is great. And there are people outside getting wet. And you say, I don't really know who they are. Who cares? Or you do what a lot of people do and you go, well, I just got to get my kids inside because those are the ones I'm responsible for. I'll get my kids inside and that's so much work. I can't do anything else. I'll get my kids inside and now I'm dry and my kids are dry. And who cares about the rest of those people out there? That's their business. If they want to come in, they can. I'm not going to go do anything about it. What happens when Christians act like that? That's kind of lumpy. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved because they cared about people outside their walls. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you can't settle for being a fan. There's a, a sporting event going on later today, I hear. Uh, I don't know a lot about sports, but I hear it's, it's called the Super Bowl, and I hear it's like the World Series of sporting events. No, that's funny. Come on. <laughs> it's like the World Series of sporting events because it's the Super Bowl. Oh, gosh. Okay. That's two services that didn't work out. Okay, maybe the third one. Um, there, there's, a, there's a game being played today, and, and apparently the way this works is there's a, there's a, a thing that you sit on. If you, if you do something wrong in the game or if you're not needed in the game, the coach tells you to go sit on the thing. What's the thing called? The bench. You have to go sit on the bench. These guys don't train to be professional athletes and get to the Super Bowl so they can sit on the bench. That, that's not why you're there. You want to be out in the game. You want to be out running the ball and throwing the ball and catching the ball and scoring points and winning the game. You don't want to be sitting on the bench. How come so many Christians are sitting on the bench? How come so many Christians look out there and go, I don't want to be called into mission work. That looks hard. I don't want to give sacrificially. That looks dangerous. I just want to sit over here and cheer for them while they do it. Why would Christians want to sit on the bench? There's nothing, there's nothing that feels as good as being in the game. There's no job that you're going to have that feels as good as God working through you. There's no relationship that you're going to have that feels as good as God's loving you. There's nothing you can buy that's going to bring you as much enjoyment as knowing that God is using your life for holy purposes. God has called us to live a real and, and living faith in this world, to give sacrificially and lovingly, to go reach those who are out in the rain getting wet and who don't know where to go. That's the kind of church I want to be. Don't you? You don't have to. You can sit on the bench. You can cheer for Jesus. Let other people take care of all the hard work. I'm sure that'll be fine. Let's pray. Father, work in our hearts a passion for loving you and following you. Don't let us become bench warmers. God, we want to get in the game, so give us hearts of love. May we see your supernatural works among us. May we share your stories, and may we love those 
who don't know how much they're loved. I thank you that through the stories of the early church, we can see what it's like to live with a passion. Jesus, may we do that for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.